Hey there, this is Janine Luby, aka Funny Wine Girl. I want to thank you so much for tuning in because I know you have a lot of choices out there and your time is valuable. But each week, I am really proud to introduce you to a fabulous woman. My goal is to entertain, inform, and inspire you. And I'd love to ask for your support. Uh, There are a few ways you can do this. If you check out the show notes, you can see a link to my Buy Me a Coffee platform, and you can donate as little as $5 to help support this podcast or more. I'm not going to say no to more than $5, but it doesn't even have to be monetary. You can also show your support by sharing an episode that you've enjoyed, share my social media post on your social media, send it out to someone you think might enjoy the podcast in an email, or just talk about it. Tell someone at the grocery store while you're waiting in line. In any case, as I always say, I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of my wine glass. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncorked with Funny Wine Girl. This is Funny Wine Girl, aka Janine Luby. And I know you've heard me talk about my perimenopause before, so now I'm going to have to get into this because before I came home, and I don't even know what the hell this is, maybe it's not even perimenopause, I was chilled and I had to put on a sweatshirt. And now I'm sitting here like, oh God, now I'm getting warm. So <laughs> I don't know, I can't get comfortable, but that's going to be my cross to bear. That's my own problem. Because before I sat down, I said, I wonder if I should take take my sweatshirt off. No, I'm Catholic. I like to suffer and complain. I can make that joke. I'm Catholic. Uh, anyway, so this week I'm, I'm excited because we're kind of having, I don't want to say continuation, but it's tied really nicely to the conversation I had last week on last week's episode, uh, Gab and Nesso. And yes, you've heard from Gab many times on this podcast. Uh, we've become friendly over the past year and a half, and I just love having her on. We have great, easy flowing conversation. She is a very interesting individual who's entertaining and she's an advocate for mental health, but she is also doing uh, shows for kids in schools, trying to just help kids feel accepted and heard and entertainment, stand-up comedy, all that good stuff. So we had a conversation last week about Uh, how Gab visited Scranton, Northeast Pennsylvania. As part of this project, I worked with NAMI on, and thanks to a small grant from the Humor Therapy Fund, NAMI Northeast Region PA was able to bring Gab to Northeastern Pennsylvania, where she spoke in Scranton, to the Scranton Counseling Center staff and uh, clients, and then to the Cooperage she went in Honesdale. Great audience there, community event open to the public free. And she shared her story of living with bipolar and how she uses humor and how that helps her in her everyday life. And then she performed at a comedy show. So you heard about that last week. Well, this week, uh, we're, I'm bringing a guest to you who is someone I met at the Cooperage uh, in Honesdale that night, May, I believe it was the fourth. And she came out to see Gab and but she was familiar with Gab before because she has been a volunteer with NAMI. And so she was aware of Gab, but she was in the audience and really connected with Gab. And I just want to hear her story and have her share uh, a little bit about what she's been doing with NAMI and what she's been doing with her, her life. So I would like to welcome Kelly Moran. Hi, Kelly. Hi, how are you? Um, Janine, I just want to give a shout out and tell you, I totally feel you with the perimenopause thing. <laughs> You understand what I'm going through. I, I hear you. I, I yes, I think, yes, I hear you. I'm going through it too. So I have to tell you though, it's funny because I'm sitting here warm now and a lot of my friends going through it have the hot flashes and I haven't really had those. Thank God, because I don't need those. But for me, it's more the hormones. Like 
my moods over the past couple of years, I'm honestly lucky I'm not in jail yet because my anger sometimes goes through the roof, but then sadness too. And I mean, I, you know, I mean, that could be other things too, but as a woman, sometimes you wonder what's, what's going on, what's causing it. And there are times I just feel like completely low and I don't know where the hell it comes out of. And I'm like, well, that's fun. So yeah. So, you know, the joys of this time of, of our lives, I right? Do. <laughs> do you have any All secrets? Well. How do you get through it? <laughs> I don't have any secret tips. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it, damn it, damn it. So Kelly, tell us a little bit. I know you volunteer for NAMI. I know you were there that night and that's how I got to meet you. And you were such a wonderful uh, audience participant, but tell us just a little bit about yourself, where you're from, some things you'd like to share. Okay, so I'm, I'm basically from Scranton area. Um, I went away to college in Boston, uh, Emerson College. Uh, and it was it was great. Um, and I I, uh, because I have bipolar disorder, um, well, after college, I was working in LA and I had my first major episode in LA and I moved back home. And so, and I was 24 then, 51 now. So I'm constantly putting back the piece. I'm constantly dealing with the bipolar disorder and it's like a Jenga puzzle. <laughs> in a way, um, which I think most people's lives are. So, um, can I ask and, you before, and I don't want to interrupt you, but what were you doing in LA? That's a pretty big move. Like that's, that's a big, you know, change. Okay. So my, my college, uh, Emerson college, like we're really well known for entertainment. Um, some of our alumni include the oldies like Norman Lear and the new guys, uh, the Daniels who won the Oscars for uh, everything everywhere all at once this year, very prestigious. So a lot of my friends and I were just like, hey, we graduated, let's pick up and move to LA. <laughs> and there's a, there's a lot of Emerson alumni out there and a lot of my friends out there working and, you know, we have our little Emerson mafia. So that was... <laughs> Love to it. get a job in the entertainment business, my uh, my goal was to be a producer of television. Um, my first year, I was I was basically temping, but I was temping for like Universal Studios one day, Disney the next, uh, the Writers Guild, um, and somehow somewhere in the middle of all that, um, I had I had a manic episode, uh, a very bad. Uh, lasted for three weeks. Nobody knew what was going on with me and ended up having to come home to get my diagnosis and my help and, um, you know, reconnect with my family. And this has been my support system in my area since. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. So. When you got, so when you got home, um, obviously you were like, okay, I have to figure this out. Has it been, and I know that, you know, you, you connect it well with Gab and you heard her story, but I know one thing Gab has she shared is that it's, it's not been easy, like getting answers and getting the right therapist or the right, you know, medicine and how it affects your body and everything. How has that been for you? What has your journey been like with that? Okay. So fortunately, initially, um, uh, a friend of mine, um, recommended a wonderful therapist and a wonderful psychiatrist in the area and they just sat me down and they said you have bipolar disorder 
And when they listed out all the, you know, all the symptoms, I was like, hey, you're right. And so I had their support for years. Um, you know, my my therapist is still out there working. She's she's great. Um, I my insurance doesn't pay for her now, so I, I don't see her, but uh I outlasted her two husbands. So I was with her for, for 20 years. <laughs> so uh yeah, um, and then my old psychiatrist passed away and I got a new psychiatrist in the group. And right now I just am in touch with my psychiatrist. Um but it, it does get it it still gets hard to um to get questions, you know, like this medication isn't working. What do I do? How how do I shuffle it up? Like um even getting side effects from, you know, like antibiotics or something, you're like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, did that did that set me off? At this age, it's like, oh my God, did my hormones <laughs> trigger um you know trigger this like extreme reaction you know so um so it's still like you're you're kind you're always questioning you're always on guard you know so yeah yeah and I I can imagine you brought up something that I'm sure not just with bipolar but a lot of people have to deal with depending on different illnesses you know your insurance covering things that is i know for myself even that's a big deal like you said you know your insurance doesn't currently cover her i've had to switch you know even like a gynecologist that i respect in the area like oh no sorry she doesn't take your insurance that's a real downside to i think our health insurance and the way that healthcare is set up in this country because you might love your doctor you finally connect and all of a sudden it's like well if you have that insurance sorry it's not going to work and that's another challenge people have to deal with and that's not a small challenge right i mean that was a huge challenge and then well when i was 43 i went on disability went on disability because i have bipolar disorder and they said oh well you have medicare medicare doesn't pay for therapy because that's not medicine (laughs) like well wait wait a minute like I was seeing this wonderful person for 20 years like she was shuffling through let me do therapy on layaway and now it's like oh I have no backup plan whatsoever you know so I mean the insurance thing it's a it's a nightmare you know so yeah Yeah. And I feel, I mean, not that we're going to solve that today. It's just unfortunate though, because, you know, whether it's bipolar, whether it's cancer, whether it's any illness, it's enough that you have that illness and you're trying to work through it and live with it and be healthy. And then to have to deal with like red tape, bureaucracy, and, and everybody does to some degree, but it's just, it's just unfortunate that that's one more thing that you have to add to the pile. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Like even that night that I might even saw Gab is like this woman came up to me and was telling me about um, her son not getting the right medication. And I'm like, because of the insurance. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's just, it's bad treatment for our healthcare system. But like you said, that's way too much. Yeah. Yeah. today. It is. It is. And some days I, I hate to sound defeatist, but you're like, well, what can I do? So you take the small victories, right? You go, okay, what can right. I do? Well, let's work on what I can do today. Right. 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 
do you find besides so therapy, you know, therapists have helped medicine. Do you practice any other things that have helped you as far as like, whether it's art therapy or nature or anything that you have found that really you're like, okay, Um, I journal and um, because I'm a writer, (laughs) I'm going to say that's my job now. (laughs) Um, And I, I have, I did take art classes, which I love. And then I actually years ago set up a program for art therapy. And I got this one wonder, wonderful person to do art therapy. And everybody else is good. And I'm like, this isn't for me. <laughs> because I had that classical technical training that I couldn't just go, you know, go rogue. <laughs> um you know uh, like I'm not big on exercise but a little bit you know here and there dancing you know that's kind of you know yeah Um, that's fun so you mentioned and I know this is going to go off a little topic for a second here you mentioned writing um that that you're a writer only because I'm seeing this all over like I'm following this pretty closely on Instagram what are any thoughts on like the the strike right now in Hollywood the writer's strike you know, from what I understand, they basically made the the true writers um, like almost like take side gigs because of streaming, you know, so they're not so they're not getting paid fairly. And I think anytime um, the Writers Guild gets involved, it's serious. People have to look up and be like, we're not paying our writers enough. And, you know, you might think like, oh, well, writers, they just sit around <laughs> in their pajamas. So it's like, no, you have deadlines. You have to come to me. Like, it, it is a job worthy of, like, people around here who used to complain about the coal markets. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, but, yeah. And, but like, so you're saying it's funny because people joke about it, but like I'm watching, I guess, cause I'm so enthralled in it now I'm watching it every day on like what they're doing in like New York and all the actors who are now coming out to support the writers. And, um, it was Mark Ruffalo. I saw the other day and Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell, he's the Irish, uh, actor, right. Yeah, he said yeah. a lovely, uh, video about how it's, it's, you know, he's made his living off the backs of writers. He said their ideas, their beautiful words that he's been able to speak for all these years. So it's, you know, they're creating it, but they're the ones behind the scenes that don't have the pretty faces that we see. So, so that's what people probably don't realize or don't consider they need to be right. paid valued for what they're doing. That's true. And I've always admired writers more than actors and, and actresses. You know, it's it's a different type of talent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it takes all of them to work together. And I didn't mean to. Uh, it was just funny. I was when you said writer, I was thinking that. And then the other thing that's been on my mind is AI, this whole idea that AI can do your writing for you. That that sends me into next week when I see that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. They're telling you that AI can do everything for you. Yet, if you look at like facial recognition software, they can't recognize you. So it's like, are are can they really do everything? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's I question that. You know, can Alexa do everything for me? (laughs) You know. 
<laughs> I that scares me. I was talking about it with someone today, and I said, "Are those sci-fi movies going to like actually happen, where like a, a robot's going to be beating people to death or something?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a skeptic. <laughs> Well, I took us off track, so I apologize there, but I want to ask you about your work with NAMI because you have been involved uh, and and I keep, I hate to, to just assume people know things, but NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness and the Northeast Region PA is the, the group that I had worked with recently. And that's who we brought uh, Gab in and, uh, you know, Scranton area, uh, Wayne County, Honesdale, all that stuff. So that's what NAMI is, but NAMI is all over the country. So if you're looking for a chapter near you, check out NAMI. Um, it's a national organization and they offer peer to peer support groups and, and help for families and, and and they do great fundraisers and all kinds of they they led they advocate for mental health rights and trying to remove stigma that surrounds mental health. So you volunteered for a long time. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your work there and and how that helps? Okay, so I started when I was in graduate school, and there was only um, the NAMI Scranton chapter, and they and even the national didn't have all the programs that they offer now, um, and. I put together like a little, I was working for a local television station and I, and I had access to put together a public relations campaign because that worked great for my thesis <laughs> and it worked great for my uh, experience. So I started then and, um, you know, I've gone on, I've helped at different events and stuff. Um, it's, but it's like, as soon as it got bigger, I kind of fell away because they had more people to do stuff. And, you know, you, you, I, I, I have other interests too, you know, like I threw my hand in at acting, I threw my hand in at politics. I, I had full-time jobs to deal with too. Um, most recently, and even most recently is pre-COVID, <laughs> I did the In Your Own Voice uh, program where you, they, teach you how to tell your story in about 10 minutes and you go out into the community and give your speech and then people can ask you questions. And I did the CIT training, the crisis intervention training uh, for the police and emergency responders to uh, come in and, um, you know, if somebody, if you, if you have to call on your family member, somebody and say, this person has mental health, they will come in and treat you like a person. And instead of throwing someone in jail, they will get you to the help that you need. So, um, so yeah, so I was, I, I, I did the role play there and stuff for a couple of years, or, you know, and um, I think that was probably like the most, successful program that I did at the time <laughs> um, it's hard to talk about I know how many people we helped and how many police uh police tough policemen and stuff would be like oh you're you're really tough and you know they and they'd be like we got so much out of this and it's like it's so hard to rectify that with like what you see on the news with other with police brutality and racism and all that it's hard to juxtapose like wait I I did a good thing (laughs) so uh but yeah and um and then I kind of 
dropped back during COVID and came out last week and or two weeks ago. <laughs> Getting back into it, and I'm facilitating a uh, well. There's a couple. I'm helping to facilitate a support group um, for peer to peer. Uh, so it's not your NAMI is based on family, but instead of your family, it's just, hey, I'm the person with mental illness. I want to talk about myself and my problems. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I'm I'm uh, getting back <laughs> back good, into that. Good. Yeah. And so why do you think? I know I, years ago, I got to participate one year with that crisis uh, training with the cops, which I think is so valuable. And and you mentioned it's, you know, I, we've seen it in the news too, where sometimes someone who, you know, maybe, maybe they're having a bad day or something to do with their medicine, whatever, and the cops get called and they don't understand what's going on with the person. Next thing you know, the person's down on the ground, it could lead to something else um, and, and not good outcomes. So the whole point of this training is to get cops comfortable with the fact that, okay, this person could be having kind of some kind of episode or let's get their family. Let's try and work this out by talking and, and not putting them in handcuffs and taking them away. That's a wonderful program. And peer to peer, like you mentioned, why do you think the work that NAMI is doing is so important and so valuable and needs to continue to build? Okay. So I, I think it's valuable because it's, it's, it's nationwide. Right. And so there's now, like I said, when I started like when I do in your own voice, when I do CIT, there's a national program that you look up on the computer and you and you adjust it to work for your situation. Um, when I started it, it wasn't national. Yeah. Or I mean it was national, but those programs were not in attendance. Um, the classes they offer now, family to family, <clears throat> which I've spoken at, you'd be surprised how many families come out going like, oh my God, now I understand my daughter, you know? Um, and like, I, I think it's so, the education is so important because let's face it, everybody knows somebody with mental illness, whether or not they want to admit it, <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, so, I mean, I, I just think it's really important. I'm, I'm glad to see how much it's grown over in this area, you know, how much, you know, it's grown, so. And that's something I know when Gab was here, she was impressed. She said, this is wonderful. Like the turnout, the people who came out to attend at the Cooperage and even at Scranton Counseling Center, like that was really, she's, you know, people who are like connecting and really asking her questions and relating the staff, the clients. She was really impressed. She said, this is great that you have it here. So you know, it's, it's unfortunate to think, I'm sure there are maybe parts of the country where they're not as strong or their programming just isn't at, at mm. this level or whatever. So we're fortunate to have it and hopefully to continue to have it and even, even grow it more. Um, yeah. so the one event, uh, we mentioned that you were at was, was with Gab, uh, Gab Vanessa, and I mentioned her, she's been on the show many times, but she's in Pittsburgh. She lives in Pittsburgh. She has bipolar disorder. She talks about it openly and freely in her stand-up comedy, uh, in her presentations. She does a lot with, uh, pride disability in Pennsylvania. She's going to be in, uh, she's, uh, Philadelphia, Williamsport, June and July, and she does children's work with children. And she's just very open about being a mental health advocate and about the value of humor. You came out that night. I know you were really connected. What did you like about what Gab had to say and, and her whole style and presentation and how the message that she's delivering? 
Well, um, first of all, I saw her before that night on a That's Zoom right. call at, or a Zoom performance, if you will. And what she talked about that night was uh, women, women with bipolar disorder having rage fits. No woman, no woman likes to admit that they have rage fits or can be violent beyond their thoughts or like, I'm going to poison my wish or whatever, which makes a great TV show, but doesn't make, it's not good in real life when you're punching a wall, punching, you know, a, a hole in all or whatever. And she said that, and I've been going through that for several years. And, you know, the first time, like, and she was the first one person I went, I feel better. Somebody else said it too, you know, because even when it started, yeah, you know, my therapist was like, oh, it's probably hormones. It's like, that doesn't make me feel better. Like, so I, I, I like when she said, I was like, oh, I feel better. I'm like, maybe I should find some more bipolar women and start a fight club, you know? But um, so she picked, she manages to get something very personal, you know? And last time, she, you know, it, it's last time she, she said something too that I personally could relate to. And I don't think I'm the only one in that audience who felt that way. You know, a, a lot of other, um, I had a friend of mine who, you know, doesn't have any mental illness was there she goes yeah yeah she's right you know so the storytelling is perfect and it just um it's so relatable to what we all experience you know um not just people with bipolar disorder but um people you know humans <laughs> I was just gonna and, say humans right yeah yeah, 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 humans. And um, the fact that she like opened it up to questions at the end is very honest, you know. Um, it, it's it's great to see somebody being, somebody who is able to be that honest. You know, sometimes I know when I worked for years, I would have to hide that part of myself, you know. And, um, you know, and somebody who can, be, you know, say, hey, here's how it is, you know, <laughs> you know, like, it's kind of gonna suck, but you can laugh about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, as you said, it, you would, she talked on the first time on Zoom, I know Nami was doing things on Zoom during the pandemic and everything, and you felt that connection. And, and also, as you said about your friend who who doesn't have a bipolar disorder, and, and, you know, just listening to Gab, so many people can relate, because, it's the struggles of life, right? She talks a lot, not just bipolar doesn't define her. It doesn't define you. It's part of you. And, you know, we can listen to her as a human, human to human and have empathy and understand, yes, I've had issues with my family or I've had issues with, uh, with challenges at work and challenges connecting with people or arguments or different things or a temper. I myself have thrown things, you know, I've broken, <laughs> I broke the lock on my door recently because I slammed it so hard. Like I understand what that's like kickboxing yeah, to yeah. help with that. When I was punching a punching bag that day, we need releases too. You know, women need right. also, but for yeah. someone to stand up and be honest, I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And for yeah. people to hear it and then open the door, you know, I think Marie made this point, uh, Maria Nami, you know, when, when you, we hear people say it, then it's like, okay, now it's okay. I, I feel comfortable. Now I can share my story and maybe someone else will feel comfortable that they're not alone and that they could share their story. And I think there's some kind of healing in that. Oh, there definitely is. And like, I, I like, I've, I've worked with Marie for years as far as people sharing your story. I think the last time I did CIT, there was a woman there who was always never shared her story. And she was there with me and she goes, oh God, I'm so nervous. This is the first time I feel ready, you know, because people don't, you don't always want to share this, but it's like, you see enough, you hear enough and you're like, this is what I'm going to do. Or even if you're not, even if you're part of NAMI, you're like, I'm not sharing my story, but I'll, I'll, I'll do the walk. I'll, you know, I'll go, I'll, you know, go to the meeting, go to the class, get something out of it, you know? So yeah, definitely. Uh, I want to ask you, and before we start to wrap up, you mentioned you did a bunch of things acting. I think I heard you say politics. Did I hear you say politics? You Do you want to <laughs> share anything about that? Just because I find that so interesting. I mean, to me, politics is, it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, we want to, it's kind of like the soap opera villain you love to hate, but it's like, we're engrossed in it. It's what we talk about. It, it is. Um, well, so when I started doing it, it was like 2004. So <laughs> that was my first campaign for John Kerry. Um, the interesting thing is like, I never knew. My grandmother was super involved in politics in her town and she ran ran for office. And uh, anyway, um, I never knew that until I started it. And, and then I was like, oh, I carry on the tradition. And then I had a and then I had a horrible experience with a horrible campaign. Then 2008, eight, no, 2018 came around and um, a lot of people change year. <laughs> and uh, I got in again and I, I really enjoyed, enjoyed it, you know, and I'm, um, it, again, it's like, it's another thing that because I have a, you know, a communications degree, uh, graduate degree, it fits in with my uh, talents and it's something I'm good at, you know? So, I mean, um, I'm not going to just be like, oh, for any candidate, but <laughs> like, it just, it's a, it fits really, it fits in really well in my skill set, you know, too. And in 2018, it fit in really well with my personal life wasn't going well, but that elevated. So yeah, but I mean, people watch it all the time and, you know, it, it, it's like another sport. <laughs> That's true. It is a sport. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just worry that like we've become so divided, like it can't even be it's getting less, I don't want to say it's been less fun. It's been less fun for a while, but it would be great to, to get it back to its net where it's not so like us and them kind of thing. Like, right. You know? Oh, I, I agree 100%. You know? I just, I forget it was two things on Twitter, which I shouldn't even go on Twitter. Cause that's, that's like an evil place, <laughs> but it was, oh, I think it was DeSantis. He's going to fight 
leftism and then oh this poster for Carrie Lake and some other guy and it looked like coming to a theater near you this summer because it was like we're defending America and I'm like watch for the sequel in progress we're canceling books we're canceling gays we're canceling everything we don't like I mean it's just seeing it's just it's almost like boggles my mind it's like where's the candidate and I mean believe me I'm Democrat but I don't love everything I see on that side either but it's like here's the candidate that says I will work for all of you yeah exactly and and there are very few candidates out there that'll that'll do that I mean in 2018 um I worked for Matt Cartwright I feel like he is a congressman who works for everybody across the aisle you know he he doesn't or everybody in Scranton PA you know <laughs> when I get my email back and go oh he brought this money back oh <laughs> oh he's working on this um I feel like he's somebody you know he's not like far off whatever whereas DeSantis it's like he's taking on Disney and it's like DeSantis versus Disney and it's like what is this a WWE fight <laughs> like of course he's gonna lose to the mouse <laughs> you know you know so I I think you kind of gotta put your head down and be off of Twitter and not being a Democrat not live off of MSNBC yeah oh well I don't I don't watch any of that stuff honestly because I feel like I'm becoming a little more center anyway and I think again I no offense to anybody but I think those news they the news is just okay this is what you well, watch if you're on the right this is what you watch if you're on the left yeah. so i don't really watch any of those at this right point. And, and the news has become entertainment too mm. you know in in general like you know you, you might as well the, the people who you know the writers it's like hey you know what? why don't you just get the news stores the bill in for the writers that would be a horrible thing for the writers <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. There, it's hard to find actual news anymore. And it's just, I guess, and I don't want to go too much on politics, but I just don't understand why it has to be, uh, we're going to fight this. We're going to fight that. Why are we like, if we're fighting for anything, let's fight for everyone and for the whole country, because we certainly have enough problems that we're all kind of experiencing t- together. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. And it's like, why, why are you using fight as a campaign slogan anyway? I mean, it sounds great. But it's like, in reality, it's like, hey, let's help people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would almost like expect a, a candidate who came out and said that or work, working for something. I mean, you know, the, those people exist, but they don't get the flash. <laughs> no. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. You've got to be, and again, that's 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 what's kind of sad because I think there's so much good potential somewhere in the, the middle there as opposed to the far left, the far right, the loudest mouths. It's like, if I say something completely out there or some pl- completely like really that's going to irk people, I'm going to get on the news, you know, or I'm going to get so many right. uh, likes and, and shares. It's like, is that really what matters? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's, it's kind of, I mean, it, it could be ugly, but it, politics can be ugly. It always has been, but I feel like the, you know, the door's been, been kicked wide open. We, we can see it. We can 
see how the sausage gets made for, for the Hamilton fans out there. <laughs> We're all in the room. Where it <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, but you know, you got to look at like good things come out of it too. You know, it's hard, it's harder to see now, but so yeah you're right but yeah it's and we have to keep that that positivity and hope that we absolutely have to keep that um is there anything that we didn't talk about anything coming up for nami that you'd want to plug or yourself or anything that we just didn't talk about that you hope that we would um you know i i just want to talk about my writing more because um that like i've always considered myself a writer I I didn't really get involved or really get productive with writing until COVID when I was taking a class where I had to have something in every, every week. Now, I don't know if anything is going to get published, but it really helps my mental health. It gets my creative juices going. Um, you know, it's it's great. <laughs> Um, and um i i'm just really proud of of the work i've done you know i even you know i i mean i had a letter to the editor out like two weeks ago no mental health awareness but i'm just really proud that i am you know focused on (laughs) yeah what what's your favorite now, do you just sit down and go, okay, whatever comes to me and just kind of free form, or do you like to write certain kinds of things, like certain genres? I'm more of a free form kind of person, like um, either this happened in my life, this is an idea I've had, um, or, um, you know, they they list like white writing prompts, or it's like write a story with these three words. And it's like, just take 10 minutes and do that, you know, write about your personal life, even if you rip up the paper later on. Um, I'm not really like, I don't have a genre, you know, I have a couple of stories that I want to finish, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I just kind of write what happens, you know, so not fiction, fiction, definitely fiction. (laughs) I, I have to make that clear. <laughs> Fiction and opinion, opinion essays. <laughs> um, but no real, like, job. I mean, it's like, yeah, I'll try writing mystery. I'll try writing science fiction. But um, but now it's mostly like fiction and based on real life and whatever. That's my enjoyment. <laughs> so. And you said you do find it therapeutic. And so that's mm. that's helpful. Yeah, um, it is because, you know, all of us are walking around with like a certain voice of like garbage, you know, or, you know, garbage will just, some of them might might actually be good ideas (laughs) in our head all the time. And it's like, just writing it out on paper, it's like, okay, it's not in my head anymore. I'm not ruminating on it you know so um it's it's just you know that I mean that's the journaling part of it you know and then sometimes you take that journal into an idea for something else you know something 
something fictional and polished, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, and do you like to do like actual, uh, like pen to paper or are you, or do you like to do both? Do you get on the keyboard and, and start typing? Pen to paper first. And then, um, I write on my phone a lot because if I'm sitting at a, I, if, if I'm sitting at a doctor's appointment and you know, you're going to be in the waiting room for a while, it's like, you know, you have, you know, the beginnings of, or at least your thought bubble of, you know, so, I mean, like my, like the new thing is the phone, but I'm pen to paper, revise it, get it on the line, <laughs> do the whole process. Yeah, yeah that's so. great. I do that with joke ideas, like for my stand up, especially if I'm out running or out for a walk and something hits me. And then I, I, I do keep a lot in my phone in notes and then like, you know, kind of explore it later, or expand on it later, but Hey, we've got those phones with us all the time, right? We might as well record exactly. on them some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what's your process like for coming up with your stand-up comedy? Cause I've never seen you do stand up. So I, a lot of times, um, I will have ideas pop into my head when I'm running, um, because it's, while I say, I don't, I, it's funny. I'll say, oh, I, I like running. It's not that I like the process. Cause it kind of sucks. Right. It's like, it hurt. You know, I, I'm usually like, oh, you know, complaining it's the, it, what comes, it's what comes out of it. So when I'm finished, I love it because I'm, you know, you mentioned ruminating. I'm someone who does that where it could be a conversation I had. It could be a conversation I didn't have, but I'm inferring or I'm assuming or whatever. So I do that a lot too. But with certain, only certain activities in life, like laughter yoga, stand-up comedy, like when I used to teach in college or whatever, when I'm presenting or doing something, I'm in that moment. So I can't allow for ruminating. There's no room for that. So when, with running, I like it because it's also like that. It's meditative. And it's almost like, I don't want to say that I'm not in control because I don't want to make it sound like it's scary. It's not scary at all. It's just things go through my head in waves come and go, which is great. So I might get an idea for a joke when I'm running. Um, I might get one, you know, if I'm in the shower or driving, because uh, it, it definitely gets my creative juices flowing. So for me, a lot of um, my comedy is, is my own life. Uh, you know, I do jokes about, you know, perimenopause, you know, like I'll say, I look in the mirror and I don't see myself anymore. I see the face of Tom Hanks staring back at me. You know, and I, <laughs> right. I hear the angry voices of my perimenopausal hormones saying, we're the captain now, bitch. I mean, so I do stuff about like my life, where I'm at. Um, I really have to work more on things that drive me, you know, uh, angry and berserk, like the squirrels on my bird feeder. I've just slowly started writing stuff about that. So it's, it's a lot about where I'm at in life. Um, and I'm just yeah. starting to, I shouldn't say I'm just starting to, but I want to even dig deeper in that. Cause you know, like you mentioned before with, with Gab and her honesty, one thing that I do want to make sure that I do, because I think it's important, not it's important for everyone, but especially women. And as we're aging, I want to talk about when I'm up there, I'm 51. This is what I'm going through. My hormones are having me berserk, angry moods up and down. Uh, I want people to know that so that if they're experiencing it, they, they don't feel like an, an oddball or that they can't talk about it. No, you can absolutely talk about it. So I think it's important that we're honest. And I like to try, I want to try to do even more of that and go deeper in my, in my standup. Yeah. I mean, that's really important because women, 
like 40 up, it's like, oh, we're invisible. <laughs> you know, so we we have to at least recognize each other, you know. Yes. Amen. That's what I say. I say every time I do my show and I talk about how I was turning, I'm 51. When I turned 50, I was like doing the whole like Molly Shannon SNL, like I'm, I can kick, I can stretch. And then, you know, 51, I'm like, oh, I need help getting out of my sports bra. Like, oh, but I'm still going to tell you how old I am because we can't vanish after a certain age. We, we, are, we no. do absolutely not vanish because we're even more valuable. So that's what we need to, to keep talking about. And, uh, I just watched Wanda Sykes, uh, new standup special on Netflix. And I loved that. She talked about that very same thing about the hormones and how mm. trying to get help for that. And like she was saying, if men were going through this, if they were having hot ball flashes, how the doctors would be researching it over and over, and, or they'd be allowed to walk around without pants because, you know, they're like, Oh, he's going through hot ball flashes. It's okay. Um, <laughs> But I don't I, think people would complain if women walked around without shirts, honestly, <laughs> depending on where you, you are. You got a point there. You but point. I mean, then, then, then you're asking for a whole nother problem. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate when comedians do that as women comedians mm -hmm. that can share that because, and, and again, like that's, I felt watching her. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Wanda, <laughs> you say it. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's part, like, that was like my initial thing with Gab. It's like, oh, you're a woman and you're talking about being violent. Like I am so embarrassed that I'm 50 years old. I didn't start going through this until I was 40 I thought I was mature and then and she even said like do you know men would be bragging about it and it's like yes. <laughs> you know I mean people like we need to hear this stuff you know absolutely yeah, yeah we do need yeah. to hear it and there you know it's it's I did, and I think it is cathartic too. And as I know, Gab talked about that on a couple of episodes ago, how her comedy is cathartic for her and for mm -hmm. her release of her mania. And I think it is truly cathartic to to share. And I'm sure that's why Nami does the you know in your voice the stories because we're mm -hmm. we're we're not afraid. Then we're we're saying this is what I'm going through, and I'm going to share it with you. Yeah. Well, even in your left yoga, it was like it was so cathartic for me even though it started like, you know, like you even said, like you're in your house by yourself. It's awkward. Yeah, it is because my roommate is Alexa. <laughs> so it's like, you get rid of the self-consciousness and it's like, by the end, I'm like laughing like a banshee, you know, <laughs> like if the walls were any thinner, people would have thought, <laughs> thought I had a party in here by myself, you know, <laughs> it's a great just release, you know the yeah. catharsis. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And I think we all need that, but we're not sadly here. We are in what 2023 and we don't feel permission to do certain things, or we still seek permission and don't feel comfortable doing certain things. And how sad is that in this day and age, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Like you need permission. <laughs> you, need, you need permit. I feel women need permission to act like idiots. Men act like idiots and are flooded. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, the double standards, unfortunately, have not changed or well, not right, by much right. anyway, they haven't been right. erased. That's for darn sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so anything, any parting words though, before we, we call it a wrap here? 
Um, no, uh, well, I just wanted to, like, I guess I just should give a shout out to anyone else who is struggling with a mental illness. It sucks. You're going to get through it. If humor is your thing, go for it. Whatever, but do whatever works to stay healthy because your mental health is the most important thing in the world. So, yeah. And, and those are great parting words uh, to close on because you're absolutely right. Yeah. Do what works for you. And remember too, that you are not alone. And uh, you know, even though social media can be a tricky, dangerous place, there's also like places like NAMI uh, that put, does, you know, positive posts and follow those kinds of people and accounts that have positive words for you um, that might help you when you, when you need it most to uplift your day. So I want to thank you, Kelly, so much, Kelly Moran for joining me this week. I really appreciate your time. I hope you had fun. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And keep on writing, you know, and I, I hope you reach a point where you, you know, get there, get out there and publish or, you know, maybe collection of stories Uh, or something whenever you're ready. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, I just want to make one more recommendation. Uh, read Jenny Lawson. Anything by Jenny Lawson. Her latest book is Broken in the Most Beautiful Ways, um, Furiously Happy, wonderful, hilarious books, deal with mental health and life. <laughs> so just like if, if you're, I, like, I'm a big reader too, if you're looking for somebody go get her jenny lawson and she thanks and she thanks you at the end of your uh, of her books for 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 taking the time to spend with her oh that's really nice okay yeah. well so check out jenny lawson and in the show notes i'm going to uh put these recommendations in the show notes too so that you can check out what kelly recommended so yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. And thank you uh, to my listeners. Um, so we are in, oh my gosh, already, these episodes are already, this is airing in June already. So uh, we'll, I've got some great um, upcoming guests lined up and I'll probably take a little bit of a summer break in July. So I can, of course, I'll still keep recording, but maybe just take a little break for myself so that I can get all things ready for August and the fall and all, you know, just keep bringing you fabulous guests that I hope inform you, inspire you and entertain you. Um, And check out the show notes where I have a link to my buy me a coffee account. If you have uh, $5 and you want to support this podcast or more, like I said, who am I to tell you what to spend? Spend a hundred if you want, spend a thousand, leave me, you know, money in your will, whatever it is that you want to do, support the podcast. But remember that if monetary donations are not your thing or you can't do that right now, I also am truly grateful and appreciative if you share the podcast, uh, write a review if you listen to it, um, any of those things, share it, tell somebody that you you know listens to podcasts, hey, check this out. Or tell a stranger when you're waiting in line somewhere or you know what, wherever you're at, people need something to listen to when they're driving, when they're out for a walk or something. Um, so just share Uncorked with Funny Wine Girl and I am absolutely grateful for that. So as I always say, I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of my wine glass.